Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. God had a plan, a design for Mary's life, but that was 2,000 years ago on the other side of the world with a little Jewish girl and the birth of Jesus. And what in the world does any of that have to do with me? Have you ever had someone tell you something that completely changed your world? It may have been good news. It may have been bad news. But the moment you heard it, you knew that your life would never be the same. God has a design. God has purposes and God has plans. Not just for Mary, but for every single one of us. I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. Today, we're continuing our Christmas series entitled Birth Announcements, where Pastor Clay has been taking us to places in God's Word where we find the announcement of the birth of Christ and showing us what that means for us. So far, we've looked at the announcement of hope brought to the world in Genesis chapter 3 and the announcement of peace found in Isaiah chapter 9. Today, we're in Luke chapter 1, a popular passage during the Christmas season. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall name him Jesus. The angel Gabriel appears to a young Jewish girl and tells her something that completely and forever changed not only Mary's world, but ours as well. We appreciate you joining us today as Pastor Clay takes us through the announcement of grace. Luke chapter 1, and we're starting this morning in verse 26. Maybe a familiar story to a lot of us, but perhaps if you haven't grown up in a church background, uh, you, you, you hear about Christmas and, and things like that, but, but maybe the, the, the story, the real story behind what's hap- how it came to be may be a little vague to you. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month of the angel... Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, meaning his his forefather, his descendant that he was descendant of. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I'm a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing 
will be impossible with God. Verse 38, and Mary said, behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. It is the announcement of grace. And it looks like this this morning. Can I have that come up, please, Tyler? The announcement of grace shows us that God has the design. God has the design. God has the plan. God has the purpose. You can put in there whatever you want. But the announcement of grace, at least one of the things that it shows us, is that God has the design. As we read in the text, and perhaps as you've, you've heard all of your life, Mary is from an obscure little village in the hill country of the northern part of Israel called Nazareth. As I said, it's up in the northern part of the, uh, of the, the country of Israel. I know you can't see it on the, the map, but it, it's way up here. You've got, you've got uh, Jerusalem right here. Nazareth is up towards the top part of Israel. So to give you a little idea, Bethlehem is down here. So you know the story how Mary and Joseph would have to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem where Jesus would be born. So um, that was a pretty good bit of traveling in those days. The name Nazareth essentially, as I understand it, means weed patch, which gives you some sense of the obscurity of Mary's life. Now, the fact that Mary lives in obscurity, that's not to say that Mary was not happy in her life. I'm pretty sure that, that Mary was very happy in her life. It was, it was a good time in Mary's life. She is engaged to a man named Joseph. Engaged or betrothed is kind of the old-fashioned term to a man named Joseph. Now, engagement, if you're not familiar with this, engagement in the Jewish culture is much different than engagement here in America. It's much more uh, serious. It's much, it's much greater commitment. I mean, it should be a commitment even in our culture. But in Mary's day, in Jewish culture, uh, the, in, the engagement or the betrothal was a very serious commitment that a man and a woman entered into. Because Jewish uh, women tend it to marry early, she's probably, don't know for sure, but she's probably a teenager. Possibly as young as 14 or 15 years old. Now, in, in this Jewish culture, when a man and a woman entered into this betrothal, this, this engagement, it was interesting kind of what happened. When it happened, they, they, would, they would have these words, they would kind of have these vows, if you will, spoken to them and over them, and, and there would be this festive party, is really what it was, much like the party that we have at our wedding. At our weddings, when we have a, a wedding, we have a party afterwards. In, in the betrothal ceremony, in the Jewish culture, there would be this big party afterwards. The difference was, when the party was over, Mary would have gone back home with her mom and dad, still to live with her mom and dad, while Joseph went off to build their home, to prepare uh, their home, the place where they would live together, the place where they would be husband and wife. And when Joseph finished the home, or, or when any Jewish man finished the work on the home, 
He would come back and he would get his betrothed bride and he would take her with him to uh, start their life together as husband and wife. Now, here's the really interesting part about it, or I think it's kind of interesting. The betrothed bride never knew when the groom was going to come. It might be in the morning, it might be in the afternoon, it might be in the middle of the night. Whenever he finished the work, he, was to, he, he would return and get her. And so the bride had to always be ready for the bridegroom to come because he could come at any moment. Now, that gives um, some, some interesting perspective on our lives as followers of Jesus. Because, according to Revelation chapter 21 and 22, symbolically speaking, the church, those who are followers of Jesus Christ, are referred to as the bride of Christ. Did you know that? That symbolically, if you're part of the, the body of Christ, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you're, you're symbolically referred to as the bride of Christ. And when Christ came the first time, he purchased us, he redeemed us, he bought us back from, from our sinfulness by his death on the cross. And when he comes back the next time, it will be to take us to the place that he has prepared for us. That gives a whole new meaning to John chapter 14 where Jesus says this, In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. You and I are at that place where we're waiting for the bridegroom to return. Now, that's where Mary was in her life. She's been betrothed. They've had this ceremony. Joseph has gone off to, uh, to do his thing, build his house. And she is waiting for her husband to come back so they can start this life together, so they can start this family together, so they can do all the things that perhaps she's, she's thought her life would be like. And then suddenly Gabriel shows up and says, Hail! Greetings, favored one. That's Mary's life. Favored one is, carries this idea to it. To confer grace upon. The root word basically means to confer grace upon. Now, grace is a word that we talk a good bit about at church. Perhaps you've heard this definition of grace. Grace basically is God's unmerited favor. I like that definition because it means that this gift that God bestows upon me is something that I cannot earn and is something I do not deserve. God gives us something because he wants to, not because we deserve it. We're favored. It's grace. It's God's unmerited favor. God is giving Mary something, something special, and it's not because she's special. I'm not trying to insult Mary, in case we have anybody in here who has a Catholic background, and Catholics hold Mary in very, very high esteem, and I'm, I'm not dissing on that, uh, I'm not trying to insult Mary, but I'm just telling you, Mary is a, a, is a nobody from nowhere, as far as the world is concerned. But listen, here, by the way, here's, this has got a good thing to keep in mind. There are no nobodies from nowhere, as far as God is concerned. God 
has known all along exactly where Mary is. God has had a design all along on Mary's life that is beyond anything she could have possibly even imagined. And Gabriel shows up and he begins to reveal it to her. That's what this announcement of grace does, ladies and gentlemen. It begins to reveal to us that among other things, whatever all the announcement of grace tells us, and we'll look at some more things next week, but it tells us that God has a design. He has, correction, the design, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it's interesting that uh, Stan and Rachel are here today. Uh, I know Stan, has, through the years, has been good friends with uh, a gentleman by the name of John G. Tate. Uh, some of you would perhaps would know John G. Many of you would not, but John G. Tate was my, uh, one of my student pastors at the uh, church that I pastored in Durham at Bethesda Baptist Church. Uh, he was there when I first went there and was there for several years uh, and eventually uh, left to take on the student pastor position at First Baptist Church uh, in Roanoke, Virginia. John G. was telling me one time after he left about uh, something that happened there at First Baptist Roanoke. And some of you will kind of get a kick out of this because we've just finished in the month of uh, November our, um, our, our cooperation, our teamwork with Samaritan's Purse to participate in Operation Christmas Child where we collected shoe boxes for kids for Christmas. And those shoe boxes went all over the world. Some of y'all remember that, right? Okay, thank you. Just, it was just this week, Paris, and, and a good number of y'all went down. It was this week, wasn't it? Went to Charlotte and, uh, and helped distribute or prepare some of those boxes to go literally all over the world. Well, John G. told me this story, and maybe he told some of you this before too. But in the singles group, if I remember right, at First Baptist Roanoke, there was a young lady there who uh, went on a mission trip. Out of sponsored by the church, and I, and I want to say, and I, I believe it was Turkey is where they went to. They went to Turkey, and uh, while she was there, uh, she was taken with her interpreter one day into a home where they sat down and began to meet with some some people, uh, talk to them about uh, the message of Jesus. And while she was in there, uh, she she kept looking up on a shelf because she saw this this box up there um, that was wrapped in Christmas paper, and it just, it just kept getting her attention. She kept looking at it, and she, she'd go back to you know, them, and she just couldn't take her eyes off this box uh, because there was something about the box that, that struck her. And finally, she, through the interpreter, asked the people about the box because what, what struck her about the box was the fact that it was wrapped in paper just like she had prepared for the shoebox that she had uh, prepared to give to Operation Christmas Child. And when she mentioned the box, the people in the home became very excited. This, this box clearly was a prized possession of theirs, and, and they took the box down, and many of the items that were in there, they, they kept them in there. That was like a, a, a special place that they could keep uh, some of the things that were in there, whether it was toys, whether it, whatever all it was. And as they took this box down and as they opened the lid and as they began to pull out some of the things, it dawned on this young lady that this was her box. This was the very box that she had prepared and, and through Samaritan's Purse given to the Operation Christmas Child to be sent somewhere in the world. Now, I did a little research uh, this week, uh, that bef- not including this year, uh, Samaritan's Purse has distributed approximately 24 million 
shoeboxes all over the world since this ministry began. 24 million. Now, what do you think the odds are of that young lady walking into a house in Turkey, into the house in Turkey where her very shoebox had been delivered? I would say the odds are so astronomical as to be virtually impossible. It has to be something that God had designed. And that's what it says to us. God has a design, ladies and gentlemen. Now, in in Luke chapter 1, in most of those verses that we just read, clearly we're seeing that, that God had a design on Mary's life. But I want you to see that it's not just Mary's life that he had the design on. When it opened up there in verse 26, it says, now in the sixth month. In the sixth month of what? Well, down towards the end, we picked up on it. And we'll, we'll talk more about Elizabeth uh, next week. But Elizabeth was Mary's uh, cousin. She was an older woman. She was beyond childbearing years. And yet here she was pregnant. She had lived with years of, of feelings of inadequacy and feelings of, of uncertainty. Probably, I'm guessing that Elizabeth probably dealt with some feelings of, is God punishing me for something? You ever feel that way? Come on. Any of y'all ever say, God's punishing me? Come on. Yo, I'm, I don't understand why I'm going through this. I think God must be punishing me. I'll bet Elizabeth dealt with some of that as well. And yet what she comes to find out is that no, yes, although it wasn't easy, although she had to struggle, although she had all those feelings, although she had to look at other women and, 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 and other households and other families and, and see those children that she didn't have and, and, and struggle through those feelings of, of, of inadequacy in her own life and perhaps feeling like she let her husband down, whatever all those feelings were that she may have had. What she comes to find out was that God had had a design all along. That he had a purpose and a plan for Elizabeth's life at that particular moment. And and listen, I I almost hesitate to say this. I don't know if all of y'all are ready to hear this or not. Because what it came down to was Elizabeth's, part of Elizabeth's purpose in life was was this idea of bringing glory to God through this this circumstance. Through this mother who was well past childbearing years. This woman who, who couldn't even have children anymore and yet here she was. I don't know if you're ready to hear this or not, but God's glory is far more important than your comfort. I have no doubt it was not very comfortable for Elizabeth at times in her life. I have no doubt that it's not always comfortable for you in your life. But God's glory is more important than our comfort. Because when God is glorified, ladies and gentlemen, people are drawn to him. That's important. Well, thanks, Clay. Thank you. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that story. I I get it. I can see clearly God had a plan, a design for, for Mary's life. I can see the purposes. I can see how he's working. I can see how Elizabeth was, was part of this. I, I, I can see all of that. But that was 2000 years ago on the other side of the world. With a little Jewish girl and the birth of Jesus. And what in the world does any of that have to do with me? What does any of that mean for me? Well, how about this? God has design for your life. 
God has a design, ladies and gentlemen, for your life. God has specific purposes and plans for your life. I, I had a conversation Over the course of two days, I had a conversation with three different men this week who all three of them, within the the context of their conversations, all three of them said virtually the same thing to me. And what they said was, I'm X amount of years old and I'm looking at my life and I'm wondering what in the world am I doing? What have I accomplished? What will I accomplish? What is life going to even be or matter? Have I, have I done anything? Am I going to do anything? You know, just, just so you know, those of you teenagers and, and those of you in your teenage years and 20s and that kind of stuff, when you're in your late teens and, and, and you're in your 20s, although it's a, it's a very exciting time in your life, right? It can be a very uh, fun and, and, and exciting time in your life. But if you're honest, it can also be kind of a scary time in your life when you suddenly begin to, you know, get close to graduation or you, or you pass post-graduation, you begin to think, oh, <laughs> I got to grow up. It's grow up time. I, I, I got I to gotta do something with my life. I've, I've got to uh, uh, decide what I'm going to do. I've got to go somewhere. I've got, I've got something. Uh, what in the world? That, that can be kind of scary. Right? Well, wait till you're 40 or more. And you look at your life and you say, I, I, I've got to grow up. I don't, what am I going to do? What, what am I supposed to accomplish? Where am I, where am I going to, what, what's happening in my life? What, what have I done? What, what have I not done? What have I accomplished? What have I not accomplished? Where have I been? Where am I going? God has a design. God has purposes and God has plans. Not just for Mary, not just for Elizabeth, but for every single one of us. I told those three gentlemen essentially the same thing. I told them this. All the shoulda, coulda, and wouldas in the world don't mean Bo Diddley. I didn't say Bo Diddley, but that's... They make no difference at all because it's all in the past. It's all in the past. And although some of us, perhaps many of us, would like to, and if we could, we would go back in time and change some things about our past, we can't do it. It's gone. It's gone. And so all we can do is look forward. Or all we should do is look forward. It doesn't, I, I can't get any of that back. I can't, what I could have done or what I should have, it's, it's, I can't do any of that. So none of that actually matters now. It's where am I going? And it's recognizing that God has design on my life. I had a conversation a while back with a, a young man that I've, I've known for a number of years when he was a, really was kind of a small boy. He was graduated from high school this year. I don't know if I told you all this already or not, but I, I asked him, I, I said, you, what, what now? And he said, I'm going to college. And I said, where are you going to college? And he told me the name of the college, the university where he was going. And I said, well, how did you come to that decision? He said, they got a beach there. Listen, you laugh, but how many of us make decisions like that all the time? I know I have. I didn't go where they had a beach, but how many of us actually think about what God's purposes or designs might be for our future and might, what, what he might want to have us to do? No, we just, well, that looks good, or I think this, or I think what. You can, you can make decisions that way. You can live life that way. But you'll never have what God wants you to have until you recognize that God has a design on your life. Okay? Sounds good. How do I do that? 
Well, you start by telling your past to get lost. And I mean it. Because I, I know, I talk to people. I know how many people spend their lives basically spinning their wheels in their past. Tell your past to get lost. And by the way, if it helps, say it out loud. Say, past? Had some good times with you in the past. I've done some things good and I've done some things bad. Some things good have happened. Some things bad have happened. Past? I can look at you. Past, I can even learn from you. But past, I don't have to live in you. I'm moving forward with God's design on my life. That's where God wants to bring you, ladies and gentlemen, to this place where you recognize, oh my goodness, he actually cares about me. Yes, he does. You see, you and I are highly favored ones as well. Because God's love and grace has been bestowed upon us and his purposes and plans and designs are for us as well. A few years ago, I was, I was in a grocery store, which I don't frequent a lot. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. But I was in a grocery store at this time of year, it was Christmas time. And I was checking out, and the, uh, a young lady in the next checkout aisle, the, the checkout girl, I'm sure it's not a politically correct term to use, but I don't know what else to call her, the checkout girl was talking to the checkout girl in my line. And, and she's telling her how miserable her life is, how terrible her life is. How nothing in her life ever works out the way she thought it would or, or wanted to. And how nobody cares about her and how nobody loves her. And how nobody uh, even gives a rip if she were even here or not. And the girl in my checkout aisle, I don't know if she was ready for all that or not. Because she's like, do you want to talk about it? I think she already was. But I said, do you want to talk about it? And here's what the girl said. She said, Nah. Nobody wants to listen to me. I pulled out a couple of iVite cards and I handed them to, to my checkout girl. <laughs> and I said, listen, one of these is for you and one of those is for her. Would you tell that young lady that if nobody else in the world loves her, Jesus loves her. And he's got a purpose and a plan for her life. Now listen, here's what I ask you. I know I've got to close. How many millions of people do you think there are on this earth that feel the exact same way that young lady felt? Because we live in a culture that has promoted a, an evolutionary philosophical position that says we're all just cosmic accidents. We're all just bouncing around here doing the best we can, hoping that we can, can get the most out of this that we can get. But there is no purpose. There is no design. There is no plan. There is no God. Or if there is, he certainly doesn't care about you. Look at your life. That type of philosophy and those types of feelings ultimately come from a spiritual enemy, our spiritual enemy, the devil, who wants to convince you that you're, you're all alone in this, that you have to just muddle through it the best you can and that, and that there is no purpose and there is no plan, there is no meaning. And the announcement of grace says, it's a lie. Did you hear me? It's a lie! God has his design and his purposes and his desires for your life. I can't tell you where God's design will take you, but I can tell you what God's design will bring you. It will bring you peace and purpose and fulfillment 
and satisfaction and meaning. It will bring you life if, if, and we'll talk more about this next week, if you'll hear God, believe God, and go with God. The angel Gabriel announced that Mary was the highly favored one. But as we've heard today, all of us have been favored by this announcement of grace. As we heard Pastor Clay say, Mary probably didn't understand all that she was going to go through when she surrendered her life to the Lord and His plans and purposes. But even as a young teenage girl, Mary seemed to know that it was better to go with God than to try to do life without Him. Have you discovered that truth? God has a design for each of our lives, a design that gives our lives meaning, purpose, and eternity with Him. That certainly is an announcement of grace. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sundays at 1030 at Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.